0: Have I got a podcast for you this week. In this conversation, we explore accessing the wisdom that lies within and having the bravery to share this with the world with internationally renowned channel, Rebecca Dawson. Rebecca shares how she spontaneously became a channel, the impact it had on her life and how she stepped out to fully embrace her ability and make her living through it. What becomes amazingly apparent above Among many things in this conversation, particularly as Rebecca explains what channeling actually is, is the fact that this is something that we can all do. I just want you to think about that. We all have the ability to access the vast wealth of information that exceeds our imagination. All we have to do is look inside, not outside. I found it an amazing privilege and treat that Rebecca took time to join me in my podcasting space to create such a truly fascinating conversation, packed with so much information. She's a hugely engaging and possibility-provoking, while playful lady. You know, more and more people around us, particularly here in WA, are waking up to the greater capabilities and paradigms and energies and I'm pretty sure if you listen to my podcast regularly and you look out, you'll start to feel this. And in this conversation, we talk a lot about that. and beginning to explore why. And if you feel the same way, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. One final point I'm going to leave you with before you dive into this conversation is this. Just listen out for when Rebecca uses the word I and when she uses the word we. Because at times, it's not just Rebecca that's talking. So enjoy Rebecca. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Brent Edwards. Opening up to the wisdom that lies within and some of that wisdom that is possibly beyond our senses. And having the bravery to share that knowledge is just some of the things that we'll be exploring with my guest today Rebecca Dawson. Rebecca welcome to the show.
1: Thank you I like your introduction. <laughs> what what yeah. yeah I did think about that.
0: Try to chunk things up. Yeah. So one of the questions I always like to ask my guests at the start is their connection to WA. Now you grew up here.
1: I did I am a Perthite. Um, my parents were both from Perth. Yeah. Um, yeah my ancestry I'm pretty sure is convict and before that British and Irish so I've been here for a long time educated in Perth uh, and really got my first taste of I guess global awareness when I was 16 had my first solo trip overseas and haven't really stopped since then but still call Perth home. <laughs> Super. What was
0: it like growing up in Perth for you?
1: Um, I think it was a great place to be, actually, in the 70s and 80s, you know, mm. cricket in the street, and you got to walk to school when you were very young. Um, and I think back then, suburbia in Perth was very much about the village atmosphere. Mm. I grew up south of the river uh, in Rossmoyne, and uh, everybody knew everybody. Mm. So it was a pretty, a pretty safe feeling growing up in Perth. But there was always that feeling that there was so much beyond That we didn't necessarily have access to. So I think particularly for Generation X's growing up in Perth, the ultimate goal really was to either settle down and have kids as soon as you can, or to get out of Perth as soon as you can. Yes. And I was the latter. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Would you call yourself a proud West Australian
1: nowadays? Oh, definitely. And I think the more that I um, work and explore and run tours and things overseas, the more more the more clear you are about where you are Hmm. when you move away from it yes so the more uh, exploration I do overseas you know energy wise the more I realize how unique the energy here in Perth is and I really think Perth just started to come on into its own yes in terms of um you know spiritual community and and development and consciousness as well yeah just we're just Just hitting our strides yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) I think yeah
0: you uh, Certainly through this I meet more and more people who are willing to um, accept and allow their spirituality and, and then like yourself go kind of further into expressing it and, and put it out there and I soon see more and more of that. Well, you know, yeah. See more people, you know, want to come onto things like my podcast and want to actually talk and have it captured and shared.
1: I think, you know, the traditional framework in Perth is very much built around the conservative values. Oh, 100%. I mean, I grew up Christian, I went to Catholic school, all of that. And I think a lot of us did. But there's something that's really swelling within people. And it's not so much about wanting to become spiritual or wanting to be more conscious. It's not even that. I think it kind of arises from a dissatisfaction with what's on offer. Yes. And people can't always pinpoint that as it's something around spirituality or it's something around consciousness or becoming yeah. more aware it's just that irritation sometimes it just
0: is exactly and just irritating and
1: and and that's an interesting that's an interesting framework in itself yeah. because people don't necessarily put irritation and spirituality in the same category no and yet it's so often right there right in the middle yeah And and that's what I love about what's happening now because these younger generations coming through are quite comfortable with their irritation and so they're sort of claiming more their right to be irritated. I like that. And seeing that as an ignition for more consciousness and being more conscious.
0: We do tend to move more out of pain than towards bigger, wholesome pleasure. That's true. We will get comfortable and complacent by holding on to the pleasure longer than mm-hmm. we need to, but by and large, we only move when it's out of pain. Exactly. An irritation will be a pain.
1: Exactly. So when you're in irritation or pain and you're looking for safety, traditionally people have gone to, you know, concepts of spirituality. But now I think what's happening is that anything that you stay in for too long yeah. becomes so uncomfortable, you have to keep shifting all the time now. Yeah. And this is the new challenge for yeah. any kind of practice Mo- Quicker and quicker shift. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, we we see this, you know, contextualized in our everyday life in terms of consumerism. We're interested in this, we're interested in this, we're interested in this. Same thing's happening with our beliefs. Yeah. (laughs) So it's really interesting times because things are moving very, very fast. Mm. Very fast.
0: Mm. And it's hard
1: to stay attached to anything.
0: Yes. Just get on the train. Yeah. Or you'll be dragged along by the train.
1: Your irritation will push you out. (laughs) <laughs> quick
0: awesome <laughs> so um, you are a, a channel and you share information that comes to you and we're going to dive into that and what that means and how that came about in a minute but if I sort of bit like my intro chunk up you know there's a real sense of receiving information and, and, and having the bravery to go out there and share it Where. <laughs> Where does that come from in the Rebecca story? Is that something that was there in childhood role models or is it something that's
1: um, kind of... Well, I think that I was... Growing up Catholic um, was an interesting framework for me. I'll say interesting. I'll leave it that. Um, <laughs> because my, my grandparents were extremely Catholic my parents were my friends were mm. um, but there was something in me that didn't make sense or fit with that so what
0: does um, extremely Catholic look and feel like?
1: Um, very, very devout um, very much referring any kind of unknowns or questions just have faith and so for me as a child I translated that as don't ask questions yes uh, and I had a pretty active mind when I was a kid yeah. um, so I mean I could see the value in what it had offered my family because there was a great deal of comfort mm. that they could find in that yes. community but for me with an active mind I was always pushing beyond that and of course I had uh, certain capacities and senses that couldn't be explained yeah. By by that theology so you know I had the ability to see energy fields and and uh inside the body and uh beyond time right from the time I was quite young right so how does that how does that work how do you explain that <laughs> within what I'd been learning and it was very very difficult um so my mother actually was really really switched on and by the time I was about 9 she realized that I needed something else so I'll always be grateful to her if she yeah. um, She met some very dear friends that became great friends of the family and got involved in something called the Theosophy Society. Right. Uh, And they had kind of a tie-in with Catholicism through the liberal Catholic Church, which was kind of like Catholicism, but there was reincarnation and there was uh, ascended masters and there were all these other aspects. So that was Mm. kind of the go-between. And so from about the age of nine, I was going to meditation classes and study groups and things like this to try. And
0: That's here in Perth, obviously.
1: Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it still exists, but I'm not quite sure where because I haven't been involved for some time. Uh, and that was, a, I, that was a great foundation for me. And I became aware that channeling uh, existed through that. Right. Um, not something I ever aspired to. Uh, not something I ever believed had anything to do with me per se I never had any personal aspirations um, because that was a very hierarchical framework yeah in common with the church yes (laughs) there's someone between you and God that's right (laughs) exactly and so I really I thought okay well this helps explain things a little bit better to me but in terms of of what I'm doing here on the planet I'm gonna do something really practical which had right. nothing to do with channeling because channeling is the least practical thing yeah. that you could do On paper. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> so uh that really didn't unfold for me until i was 1920 18 1920 hmm. so uh i was studying at uwa I was doing architecture yeah and uh, i was really quite happy with that avenue uh, I used to like pubs and bands and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you i mapped
0: out. Yeah, you? it was all
1: good. And then one day uh, it all changed very, very quickly and suddenly. And I had an experience where I uh, became the marshmallow man, I call it. I became so expanded that my head felt like it was 50 feet wide. And uh, another voice started expressing through me and time disappeared and... And, Where were you? And there it was. Happened? I was on my lounge room floor with my sister who had just broken up with her boyfriend, and I was consoling her. And all of a sudden, here was this conversation about her and her boyfriend and why all of this had happened. And I uh, came out of that and thought, holy cow, let's just tuck that away for a little while and get back to business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get back to my studies. Did it,
0: was it almost like just take over? Yes. Right.
1: And the reality was I couldn't go back to my studies because on that day what happened was that it blew all of my senses open and I couldn't go back to normal functioning after that. My mm. brain didn't work in the same way. I would walk into a lecture theatre and I could see everybody's energy field. I could hear everybody's history. I couldn't focus. I couldn't remember anything that I'd learnt half an hour ago. And... Uh, I guess I went through an internal crisis of sorts. Um,
0: could you talk to people
1: about this? I did have some people I could talk to about it um, and I'll get on to that in a little bit actually because that's another whole unfolding. Yeah that's one of the questions I've got. But the, after a couple of months of that I just decided that I couldn't continue studying at that time so I, I, uh, I got a couple of jobs and, uh, and went overseas. I right. <laughs> disappeared for a couple of years I <laughs> went over to England and yeah, and uh, thought I'd try and use some of these skills in a place where nobody knows me
0: right so was that the point when you kind of like this isn't going away yeah Perth might not necessarily be the best place for me to explore this
1: well you can't you know I had a great sense of financial responsibility as well Um, to myself yeah And to what I perceive to be a viable future. Right. You can't make a living doing stuff like that, can you? (laughs) I don't know, it's a good question I'm going to ask you in a bit. (laughs) And we'll come to that. Well, this is where I was. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd better just go away for a while, get this out of my system.
0: Was that what you thought?
1: Yeah, I thought I'll go and play with it a bit. I'll exercise the muscle a bit and then I'll come back and my brain will start working again. And then we'll get back on with this architecture business. Yeah, of course.
0: And what happened in London?
1: Uh, it, I was actually in uh, Essex and Cambridge, a bit north of there. Um, you know, I, I did a bit of ghost busting and a, bit, a few little channeling groups and, and, and things like that. But uh, actually, I was quite miserable. Right. I, I felt very isolated. Um, I thought that it would be easier to find support and a community in a place that didn't know me. And mm. what I realized is at that time, it was kind of difficult anyway yeah but the difficulty wasn't just this topic the difficulty was my age right because I was 19 20
0: yeah so it's easy just to pass you off as
1: who's my... going to encourage someone that age to be a channeler no one
0: I take you don't find a mentor or something
1: correct <laughs> <laughs> Tried really hard, wrote a lot of letters, yeah. traveled to a lot of obscure places to meet people, Yeah. contacted people I knew here, and the general consensus was, you're not ready, you don't know what you're doing, you're too young, this is dangerous. But I didn't know how to turn it off, mm. which was really interesting. So... When that
0: first occurred, you turned out and you know, it felt like a marshmallow, mat. Was it scary?
1: It wasn't scary. What was disconcerting was that I couldn't decide when it was happening and when it wasn't happening. Right. So I hadn't yet learned how to work in synergy with it, to move into agreement with it. So I didn't have a conscious choice. Like it could happen in the middle of a crowded room.
0: Just start talking.
1: Yeah, or just move into that state where you become hyper aware of everything, and that's super inconvenient when you're at a gig in a pub, Mm.
0: (laughs) you know, or a library.
1: (laughs) Of course, Um, or a library's not so bad because at least you can just you know hold back your speech a bit, but you're still in that expanded state. Um, So really, it was um, the difficulty of not being able to. I don't want to use the word control it. But not be able to be in real partnership with it. Yes. And that's what took time. That must
0: have been scary. That's what took
1: time. Um, Or
0: disconcerting. or
1: Disorientating. Right. Disorientating. Because, and my understanding of channeling has changed so much over the years too. I think there's something to be said for what you believe something to be is generally what you experience. So what I believed it to be at the time was another entity comes into you. Mm. And there's a lot around that. You know, yes. there's questions of serenity and there's questions of, well, how do you know that this is valid discernment yes. or these things, you know, there's a lot to think about.
0: How do you know it's good? Exactly. Yeah. So. Is it going to leave? Exactly. When do I get me back?
1: Exactly. But, um, having, you know, done this for over 20 years now 25 years now, my understanding of channeling is completely different. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm going to ask you that specific.
1: And I think the framework within which you do something mm. will dictate your experience of it. That so right now my understanding is, a, is different. That right it's there experience.
0: Is, is is quite powerful in and of itself. If you just if we just pause for a moment to consider that, you know, what your definition of something to be will be, what you experience, mm-hmm. and that doesn't matter whether it's channeling or anything.
1: That's right. And then if we move beyond that a little bit if we move into a sense of safety with not knowing, then we really get to explore beyond.
0: Did you think you were going mad at any point in this? Yes. Because there's... What we're talking about here is probably, you know, from a societal norm, right on the boundary of this bloke, this bloke, woman, lady, whoever is with it or
1: not with it. In terms of how I used to believe channeling was, yes. Mm. In terms of what I believe channeling to be now, I think it's a normal human capacity.
0: So go on then. What what is channeling then?
1: Well, I used to believe, based on my hierarchical, previous hierarchical understanding of uh, consciousness, spirituality, God, whatever you want to call it, that it's bringing something greater than you through. Yes. Like a funnel. Yes. So you're distilling in many ways. Now I understand that we're all connected to the one source. And what we're really doing now is we're tapping into that and we're actually bringing it out. Right. So we're actually expanding out from a center point, which is a completely different way of looking at channeling. And it means that it's inherent in everybody. Everybody has that connection within. And it also means that every human on this planet has the same ability to access
0: Because that was going all to, of that wisdom. That's answered another question. Do you believe this is something everybody can do?
1: Yeah, and that's principally why I do it in such a public way.
0: Right. Not to be the person with the message, but to no. be the beacon of the fact that you can do this.
1: Of course. Because I've got nothing to offer anybody, really other than to be a demonstration that it's everybody's right to access information hmm.
0: see this so I've long held the belief that well, let me give you an example um, I have long thought that the whole business of the internet is quite a ruse at some point because what it's asking what it's asking you to what it's in, reinforcing is that there's a whole body of knowledge out there that you access via a iphone or a computer and you use google as the interface and do, 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 do. but there's a whole internet of stuff that lives within us and that we and in us and around us that definitely. we can access definitely and where I believe that the earlier ruse was religion had us believe that God was outside of us where I believe it's inside of Mm -hmm. us. I think the internet is the next ruse that makes us believe that all the information, all right, yeah, I mean, am I going to channel down that the bus down the corner is going to be there at 8.52? Well, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But the bigger, bigger questions that we are starting to ask ourselves out of our irritation. Yes.
1: What else?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get those answers on Google. Or if you do, it's it's somebody else's point of view. It, it's coming through their framework, their reference, their yes. cognitive schema that they've built up throughout their life, their whole sense of identity.
1: Yeah, secondhand information.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're seeing it through their eyes. Whereas, you know, I... I Right down to the idea of self development means that myself needs to be developed. I think it's more self exploration than self revealing. Revealment.
1: Wonderful to hear you say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and this is why I was so keen to talk to you. Because right at the start, you know, it's, it would be so easy to go, oh, yeah, right. So this Rebecca Light like, is a channel. That sounds like a fucking nuts thing. Right. And then I'll pass you off really quickly. Um, for anyone to do. And that's why I chunked it up at the start to the essence of accessing information that's within and then having the bravery to share it. Yeah. As opposed to, I will take this information because I can reference Google. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I abdicate responsibility. And it's not really me. And it's not really me finding much more about me. And, and my values and what I'm about and why I'm put here and what's my core vibrational frequency that is me. Same as yours is you. And so, you know, delving into that to learn more about it, I found has given me more, more fun learning about me by asking me the right questions like you do with Google. You ask the right questions, you get the right answer. Ask yourself the right questions, you get loads of great. Yeah answers um but from that is that it's then bringing it up and bringing it out
1: yeah now that's that's the that's the tricky bit isn't it yeah i mean when you when, when i first started channeling it was an entire exercise in bravery itself every time it happened because my belief around it then was that i had to step aside yeah and i have to step aside and trust whatever's coming through now i went through an experience for about Six or seven years doing that in the beginning when I was so this is from the London, yeah, so you know, 18 to 25 or something. Where what would happen was that I would step aside and I would literally feel myself moving to the back of my head, and then this energy would come through and information would come. But what was happening was it would come into my mind first as a thought, and then it would get expressed. And what I was doing was actually very clunky and mechanical because the thought would come and then I would kind of like cross-reference it. Uh, so I'd go, oh, yeah, so your no, that's good. Yeah, doing that's doing not good. Stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. No, that doesn't make sense. And most of the time it would just flow. But I hit a snag Right. <laughs> when information started flowing that didn't match what my brain already knew yeah and was counterintuitive to things beliefs that i'd accumulated Mm. that's when it got interesting because that's where i had to go through an experience where i was completely willing to get you know to not have my brain mind or ego or memory banks involved at all in what was being discussed. And that's when it got interesting because that's when all of the new information started coming through that we've been writing about now for a while about this new paradigm and how the mechanics of reality work different. We're moving from third dimensional to multi dimensional and how all the chakra system and the body is changing. And a lot of that information, actually, not really many other people are still talking about. Because a lot of people who are who are bringing messages to the planet, in my view, are still referencing them against what they already know, right? Old, older systems of knowledge, and I really think we we are looking for something new.
0: Mm. We'll deep dive into that. Yeah.
1: In
0: <laughs> so you're in the seven year period. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, even as I think and try and embody what you're saying, you say, know, you you go from one confronting experience at the start to then another confronting experience of going oh, I'm going to make a conscious decision just get out of the way and just yeah, free flow
1: yeah I mean I was quite lucky because I had a great group of friends and family who I used to sit with every Thursday night in my living room at home for years to get comfortable with that mm. and I only really came out of the closet in uh, out of the closet. probably about five or six years ago
0: Right. So you've been doing in, this for, in a more public way. So you've been doing this for 10, 15 years.
1: Oh, longer, yeah. Longer than fifteen years yeah, before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I only really came out more publicly more recently because I because uh, I really feel very strongly that the information is very useful to people.
0: So how did you go about like earlier on you talked about um well, I have to not do architecture anymore I need to go away because so what did you do for 10 or 15 years put bread on the
1: table <laughs> um that was really interesting so you know I did all kinds of kinds of shit really I mean I was a barista for a while I worked you in you oh I went back and I just couldn't it just my brain just couldn't handle it couldn't handle the linearity and the attention to detail
0: linearity I like that yeah. couldn't
1: just couldn't I actually couldn't cognite could things in that way anymore. Right. So, and I used to be really awesome at, you know, visual spatial, you know, recognition. Analytical and, you know, the, yeah. The yeah. Loved maths at school, all of that. And it was yep. gone. That part of me just wasn't functioning anymore. So it was terribly sad. And I felt like a bit of a failure. Um, but I sort that's of went. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's,
0: they're all the skills of, 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 um, normality so to speak societal right. norms and they're all the skills that will you know traditionally been painted the picture of this will help you get a good job of
1: course
0: you know you're good at math you do engineering well, my teach, parents are
1: teachers <laughs> including my dad who was a maths and physics teacher so you know this was, a, this, was this was a tragedy <laughs> it was, ter- it was ter- terribly upsetting <laughs> <laughs> For me personally, yeah, because that was that was my groove. That'd be, you know, that was my value.
0: Yeah, that's up there at the identity level. I am Rebecca. I am good at maths. I'm good at stuff like this. I've got this shit trained down. Yeah. No. No. So you had all sorts of jobs during
1: this time. Oh yeah, I did retail and uh, retail management for a bit, Um, and then I met someone when I was. uh, 23 who was moving away that was a crazy story and uh, said do you want to come with me I was moving to Bali so on a whim I said yes and I actually spent two years sitting in Bali doing absolutely nothing no radio TV aircon, car internet phone and that was awesome because that's what enabled me to get really comfortable in that brain space right yeah <laughs> so I did to nothing for two years as in yep. nothing But that's when I had my real, um, that was a very, very valuable, precious time for me. And I was aware of it at the time that I would never have that opportunity again. And I really took full advantage of it. Um, And that's when I had my oneness experiences and could never go back to metaphysics after that.
0: How was this received by friends and family and those closest to you during the journey?
1: Um, I think my family's always been pretty aware. My mum uses the word eccentric to describe me and i think they kind of are very supportive of whatever i choose so i'm very lucky yeah (laughs) and also because um i think i've got such good focus i tend to make a success of anything that i do right so i don't think they've ever worried about me
0: right like a cat always land on her feet
1: yeah yeah because if anyone can do it i can right sometimes that's a bit annoying that people have an attitude towards me because (laughs) then when you feel like you're drowning everybody's like she's fine fine.
0: (laughs) what about friends
1: i've got a great community here in perth um i tell you what people here in perth are really switched on
0: switched on oh
1: if, if uh, People here in Perth, uh, in terms of how far they're willing to push the envelope in terms of knowledge and belief systems, are really, really cutting edge. And I'm so grateful to the community and the energy of people here in Perth because I think some of the most amazing content that we've ever been able to bring out has happened with these people here. So I believe that Perth is on the cutting edge energetically, and I think in the next 10 to 15 years, Perth will be a real... A real center point for people for all over the world to come hmm because there's a lot going on here but a lot of it's kind of behind the scenes at the moment yes people are having these experiences here and these understandings and awarenesses here it's it's quite extraordinary and what I also love about the consciousness here in Perth with people is that they are natural explorers maybe that's to do with well our isolation by the very
0: nature of being here
1: yeah <laughs> but also they're willing to Ask the questions. Mm. It's more about the joy of the exploration than the safety of the answer.
0: Oh, I love that. that makes
1: that. sense. Yeah. I
0: love that. The s- safety of the answer.
1: Yeah.
0: I gonna be taking that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, for a long time in Perth, I was doing regular, regular channeling events. Yeah. And, and then the community here would just... So what else you got what else you got what else you got and after a while i'd be thinking holy moly like what else is there yeah <laughs> and that's when i go overseas for a bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's going tough toughen <laughs> something because it's you know yeah because they're always pushing the envelope which is which is awesome mm. yeah so it's good happy to be back in birth
0: mm. So when did you decide that uh, no longer would we be working in like retail management or barista or something like that that you were going to make this what I do?
1: Well, my most recent job, because I, I, that's I had a kid.
0: Another did
1: <laughs> you have a baby. I had a, actually had yeah. an adult in a kid's body. Um, I so I was out of I was out of traditional work for a little while, and that gave me a chance to really get back into the channeling again because I had a little bit more a pers- little bit more personal time. To do that. But um I actually got into reception work because I was like, Oh, I've got to get a job. You know, Mm -hmm. things are a bit of a stretch.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm gonna go work a few days a week in a in a reception job and I ended up in a healing practice in Fremantle and then through a friend there, I went into the biggest natural therapy clinic here in Perth Mm. as a receptionist. Um, but I had quite a good connection with the with the woman who ran still runs that clinic who's incredibly intuitive and was seeing a lot of the energetic changes that I was seeing, because I was mapping them, I was drawing them all out, and she she was too.
0: Oh.
1: She was very quiet about it, but she was too. Yeah. So um, and anyway, one thing led to another, and soon I wasn't a receptionist, and I was a practitioner in there. Mm. So I removed from doing, yeah, I guess, more low-key work to actually getting to do what I wanted to do, which mm. was cool. And then I got so busy, I and so many people wanted to see me who weren't in Perth and were overseas, I decided to move out of that setting and just work online and travel, which is what I do now. And also because I felt that within a clinic setting, it was principally around solving people's problems, and I wasn't really into doing that much anymore.
0: So what do you do now? Uh
1: in like on a practical level Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. (laughs) so what do i do um i do online sessions for people uh all around the place so that's all through the website i do online seminars and webinars i do workshops Mm. here in perth and everywhere else i started running tours a few years ago and that was awesome tours where oh anywhere on a map that exists or doesn't exist that I get directed to go. Right. So we've done Greece a couple of times, but on the Albanian border where (coughs) it goes. Mm. Uh, Egypt, Tunisia. Um, I've done one around Canada. Indonesia, up a site that's not a mountain, That's something else in Java. So I've got a little bit of Indiana Jones in me. Mm.
0: <laughs> so with the um, the webinar and the events, is that you channeling information? Mm-hmm. Um, do you teach people to channel?
1: I have run some workshops before where we talk about the principles behind that. What I find now is that when people really engage with me that starts to happen for them anyway Right. because they move into a resonance that ignites that within them Mm. Mm. so a lot of clients that I have had over the years I don't even like that word a lot of people I've had conversations with over the years and co-created with are now doing what I do Right. Which is awesome. And a lot of people are doing this and still have their careers or creations that they had started before, but mm. they just bring a different creative element to it now. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. So let's talk a bit of nuts and bolts there. <laughs> so when do, do you like? Going to a trance state? Do you no. like this? Or is no. it, do you consciously just bring it on? Or yep. da 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 da. da? Yeah.
1: So it's moved from that understanding that I have to step aside, I'm not really in control, this is somebody else's show, I'm just a host, to integrating so much with universal source energy that I can now tap into any source of input. So sometimes it comes out as a particular personal aspect. Other times it's a completely different set of Mm. wisdom or knowledge and information. It's like the ultimate library. Mm. And I've got the pass.
0: Because you spend time.
1: Well, the reality is that every human on the planet has a pass pass to the library. But what happens is that because of our beliefs and conditioning, we believe we've only got access to a shelf with six books on it. And that's all we do, is we read those six books. Hmm. In reality, we've got this whole library. But we don't think we've got permission to explore it because we think we have to either earn the right, be more, more knowledgeable, be more conscious.
0: Go on, of course. Do this. Uh, uh, work Somebody your way up it. there. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you think about the economy on the planet, we, we know that information and data is the most valuable, monetary-wise, Commodity on the planet. Why is that? Because there's this whole belief set up that you have to earn the right to access information. Mm. Is that really true?
0: That's another level of the ruse, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Mm. Is that the greatest mistruth of all? You know, the internet. Let's look at the internet. The internet is, in my view, a demonstration externally of how our information systems really work hmm. within us and between us as a species so now we have this understanding that it's possible out here for me yes that's the precursor hey this is how the system really works in here
0: and taking what you said right at the very start if you expand that to be in your beliefs about reality, then it will be so.
1: Yeah. Because we are masters of our own reality. Mm. But how do we know that we've got the right to do that? Because the biggest thing I come up against in people is this sense of humility that comes with awareness and this sense of spirituality. There's a humility, but there also has to be a self-righteousness.
0: You to have a young
1: Because if you don't have self righteousness, you never have you never give yourself permission to have it all. To access it all. To be it all. There's that humility that's so embedded in our belief systems that says you don't get to have it all. You can have this much until you've developed enough or Yeah. You know? So a lot of times you get this most Yeah, you get this most beautiful, compassionate wonderful wise people who who sort of say, well well who am I to think that I could do that or have that. There's this humility that is just it just holds people back. Mm. And it's not to say that being self-righteous is an egoic thing. It's just knowing that if you are part of the one then of course it's your right to access everything. Mm.
0: And you are part of the one because you're here.
1: Of course <laughs> so it's it's, it's fascinating Therefore, stuff
0: step into that
1: yeah I mean you can have people who work within you know energetic medicine or you know psychology or metaphysics or whatever it is so 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 knowledgeable but the one thing that I always see that holds people back is they don't believe that they've got the right mm. to have access to everything and where does that come from everything we see externally <laughs> right? Yeah. Gotta earn your way there. That's the one, number one thing I heard from my external world when I started channeling is you don't have the right to do this. Yeah. You haven't earned your way there. Who do you think you are?
0: You're two, yeah. What do you know? You mentioned right at the start that, that, that I out a reference to Ascended Masters. Mm. Um
1: I don't really like that term
0: much. No. Um, Just somebody who's trying to get their head around this. What would you say is the difference between channelling and and, and mediumship? Because, you know, Mm. know, the traditional view of medium is uh, certainly for me. Good question. Um, You know, an old lady lady with a crystal ball and everyone holds hands and come in, Uncle Derek, tell us where the gold's hot.
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Like a... like channeling, oh, sorry, this sounds very crude and I apologise if it does. Channeling dead people. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I've I've had one or two experiences of that. It mm. wasn't voluntary. So I that didn't would enjoy be the difference. It. This is,
0: this is, um, so that would be like dead people as opposed to source energy and.
1: Well. Everything energetically exists as an imprint. Every memory exists as an imprint. And my view of that now is that you access those imprints of memory.
0: Right. And they all exist.
1: It's all, of course. Everything that was ever created still exists.
0: Mm. And is there for us to explore?
1: It's there. It's accessible. It's not my favorite thing to do. Hmm. I'm more interested in the bigger questions and the macroscopic view. Yeah. But you know, there's people that are really, really great at it, and it mm. assists a lot of people, and it's very, very helpful in times of stress and trauma. And uh, I think they do a fantastic job. Right. I had I had a go at that once of once or twice. I didn't enjoy it very much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so are there? Characters that you sort of channel or I've seen hmm. on your website names
1: Yes I, I started I started out I guess identifying different threads of knowledge in terms of personas because that's how they presented it. Right. That's how it was presented through me
0: in order for it to
1: to be distinguishable as one stream of information as uh, right. as distinguishable to another stream of information. So that's how it came through for me in the in the beginning. Um, now I feel it more as a group energy. Right. So sometimes that that energy will very deliberately distinguish itself through an identity. Yes. Depending on who's listening for their reference. Yeah. Or comfort or what have you. Um, it tends to be more often than not these days that it's... This is the information. What are some of
0: the themes that have come through? Because you've always been doing this for 20 years. Have they changed, evolved, or have they remained quite consistent?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I think in the first 10 or 15 years, it was largely personal. So it was really about whatever person came to see me, this is about you, your history, your story, your development, your journey. And the last 10 years or so, it hasn't been about that at all. In fact, we don't do a lot of personal stuff anymore. Even when people come and have a, a personal channeling session with us, We take it out to the bigger picture. You said us. (laughs) Did
0: I? I like that. (laughs) It's a team effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, We take it out to the bigger picture. And then what generally happens is that people leave feeling like they've got a completely different view. Mm. And all of the little questions they had at the beginning seem completely irrelevant. Mm. So uh, the general theme, I guess, in the last 10 years has been the paradigm shift and the shift on the planet between third dimensional reality into fifth dimensional and multi-dimensional reality, what that does to the timelines, what that does to the systems on the planet, how that changes the mechanics of how we manifest and create things, because it's completely different, Mm -hmm. how that changes the energy systems in the body, how the DNA is changing. the nervous system is changing we just did a webinar on the nervous system and the brain this morning how that's all changing and what are the physical symptoms for that Um, how things work yeah because they don't work the same that they used to and what often happens is people who are really good at managing things in that older vibrational Mm. paradigm suddenly don't do it so well anymore and they think there's something wrong with themselves Mm. like the first time we start to really talk about the chakra system changing I can't tell you how many Reiki practitioners got in contact with us and said I'm ready to quit because I'm terrible at this not realising that everything had shifted Mm. as soon as they understood that everything had shifted off they went explored it further what is this shift? what is it? yeah it's basically a shift from one reality to another
0: and explain the reality
1: one dimension to another that's a big conversation yeah probably yeah (laughs) that's okay you want me to break it down really simply summarize it yeah so basically obviously
0: if anybody wants to deep dive into this they can go to your website
1: yeah i mean there's heaps of articles books videos whatever um so basically entry level summary version is that third dimensional paradigm is all based on separation duality cause and effect yes And what we're moving into now is not about that. It's not about linearity. It's not about process. It's not about one direction or journey. We're becoming multi-directional, multi-capacitous, multi-influential in the directions that we move in. And so the mechanics of how things work are completely different. So the way in which we manifest, we can't manifest with thought anymore. We can only manifest with feeling state. We don't necessarily have to finish things off before we start anything new. That's the end of the cyclical nature of the karmic system. Mm-hmm. We're losing our memory and our influence from the past in terms of the decisions that we make moving forward. We don't have to finish things. We start. That's a big one. Because Just starting. Just starting. We're just igniting, igniting, igniting. There are... Completely new systems that have being developed on the planet at this time because the old systems are not being supported energetically anymore.
0: Can you give an example?
1: Uh, there are new systems for communication. There mm. are new systems with economy that people are starting to play with mm. now. There's new political systems that are forming. Some of these are not, well, most of them are not really out and about in the public eye yet. And people are generally becoming a lot more switched on. In terms of what they're seeing. So we've got much more of a peripheral vision now than ever before. So our capacity to know things is changing, our capacity to sense things is changing. But the biggest thing here is we're losing our sense of individual identity.
0: Mm. That's certainly becoming more malleable and fluid. Mm-hmm. and one of the consistent things that amongst many themes that show up in the series of these podcasts has mm-hmm. been when people have had almost well, a crisis at an identity level
1: <laughs> yeah
0: shifts of identity yeah and how that identity I am I am Bryn and I am this mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden all the evidence comes and like, and then the life slap comes and it's like, well, you're not quite like that.
1: Or you were for five minutes, but now you're something yeah. else. Yeah. This is like the belief systems. They just keep changing because vibrationally the planet keeps shifting. So nothing like an individual identity is sustainable at the moment. We have to keep reassessing that all the time and really when that happens and that cause and effect distance collapses we don't have reference points for feedback anymore that reinforce who we think we are mm. like four, you would get consistent feedback you do this work you get that feedback you express yourself in this way you get that feedback all of a sudden we're sitting in this vacuum and there's no echo So what happens then? Yeah. (laughs) People panic. They feel isolated. They feel like they're not having any effect or impact anymore. They don't know what their purpose is because they can't see the effect of their presence. They begin to think that they're failing or they're terrible at what they do. But what's actually happening is that that echo effect's being taken away so that we can actually start to focus back here. Inside. Yeah. Because this is where all the action is right now.
0: Right down to that core source. Exactly. Energy and that we're all made of.
1: Exactly. So the shift in paradigm at the moment is popping this in this void space. We're sitting in between. This is how we view it. <laughs> and this is our opportunity to say, well, the only thing I really know for sure right now is that I exist. That's it. And that'll do right And now. that'll do. Because in that moment, that's the agreement, and that's when you can start filling up that space again. Hmm. It strips everything down so that new things can be created. We come from here, exactly. Aha. Yeah. So, massive identity crisis for everybody. I've had at least five this year already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one before breakfast. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> I had one yesterday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was that?
1: Oh what is the relevance of any of this I'm here in Perth I'm here in this house what is the relevance I cannot see the effect of anything that I have produced I cannot see the impact of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of channeling I cannot see what this is for and again there's no echo going to go back. What do I know? Well, I'm here. And then everything resets. Did you have that yesterday? Pardon?
0: Did you have that yesterday? I had that yesterday. So yesterday I and a good friend, Lachlan Samuel, who does the Open Up podcast, which is about making mental health mainstream. Both of us, 100 plus episodes, were asked to talk at Perth Podcasting Week because we're one of the few people Mm who reached that milestone. And we had to explain to people that when you first start doing podcasting, you, you, you know, you're you looking at the downloads, you're looking at the likes, you're looking at this, you're looking at that, you're looking for the echo, you're looking for the feedback. Yeah. And what we had to explain to people is after a short period of time, you'll go nuts if you keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And you just have to let it go. And what you have to realise is that you are you're doing a number of things so for me it's been refining the craft of being able to have these conversations be comfortable in them and and have a structure to them but also the structure allows me to go here there and everywhere and ask the questions that i want and be brave enough to ask those questions and sit in silence all the stuff the craft as i call it digging into the story and pulling out the golden nuggets that's what it is but also it's building up a catalog and when it's right someone will come and find it Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's very easy to, to go, oh, what the hell is this WA Real doing? Or it's just doing something. What's the purpose? It's doing something. Uh, half the time I know what it's about and half the time I don't. And as soon as I think I do, then something new turns
1: up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same with what I do. See, we're doing the same things, right? We're creating almost spontaneously, but we don't really know what it's for. Yeah. That's a leap of faith every time, isn't
0: it? Do you want what I do know? Is the brin that clicked record before I did the whole, hello and welcome back to WRO, I'm your host, pronounce, will be energetically different to the brin that had stopped.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By the very nature of the fact, I've just done this. Yeah. And co-created it with someone else. Yeah, like it's the co-creation, right? Yeah. We're sitting in our own sphere of reality. reality.
1: <laughs> it's kind
0: of interesting
1: it is well, it's that good sure. that you can feel that
0: yeah it's interesting that that happened for you yesterday at the same time that I was essentially trying to I didn't do it on purpose it just came out that, I mean, just chill out just, just do for do's sake
1: yeah because you know it's collective experience hmm
0: and what I'm beginning to realise now is that catalogue while it's out there for anybody to access if they want that catalogue is also me building and building and building a framework of understanding
1: yeah
0: for my essence, to fly through
1: a library
0: yeah <laughs> for me to fly through that's cool, and so when that flies through it's there's quite a wide way of coming out and expressing and for those that might need it or whatever it's needed to be
1: That's very cool
0: yeah mm-hmm. thank you um how does so we talked about the great stuff of of from the messages out there, and and now this being your work and creates a livelihood for you, etc., etc. How does Rebecca use channeling on a day-to-day basis, just for herself? How is it? Is it a useful tool as well? No, no.
1: <laughs> not, in the, not in the way I've experienced the next it. Question. Not uh, in the way I've experienced it. I mean, a lot of people have said, "Oh, you should channel for yourself when you get stuck," and I used to chastise myself quite a lot that I couldn't do that
0: yeah
1: but the reality is that i've come to realize that the reason i've had so much personal drama and angst in my life yes i'm saying that yeah is because i have to have an experience of what it is to be in the human condition to be able to talk about it
0: of course (laughs) of course yeah
1: Also because every time I'm going through personal disruption, that's the topic that gets spoken about and that's what everybody else is experiencing as well. So I'm kind of like the sacrificial lamb, if you know what I mean. It took me quite a while to figure that out because I used to think within the old frameworks, you know, of Christianity and theosophy, that if things weren't going right in your, right, inverted commas, in your life, there was some correction that was required. And what I've come to realize is that that's the demonstration of being human because you can be divine and human. Mm. And I have to tell you, I have disillusioned many a person who have come across me and expect me to be illuminated in so many ways. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm human, and
0: you know, move yourself from one place to another. Of course,
1: I'm human. I swear, I like a glass of wine occasionally. Um, I don't believe that mistakes are made because everything is a divine expression. But you're going to be very disappointed when you meet me in person if you expect me to be holier than thou. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but this is what this is what it is to be human on earth at this yeah time. Yeah, yeah and this is, is is what it is to be co- a conscious human yeah now one of the things that's happened to me recently and i've just been uh, asked to move the conversation in this direction sorry i know this is your show but we're just being directed in this way is that um
0: so <laughs> now we're not just talking to Rebecca.
1: is that uh what I realized was that there can't be a separation anymore. This is just the last two, two and a half years. There can't be a separation anymore between what we express and how we live. So there's been a lot of talk about um, not compromising your own desires and not compromising what brings you joy and moving out of a paradigm where you always put others before yourself and where compassion is sacrificial. And a lot of the times I was giving seminars and lectures around the world on these topics. Um, the personality means getting uncomfortable that we're going down this line, but this is what's happening. Cool. Is I realised that it was all very well to tell people that they had uh, permission to choose what works for them and not concern themselves so much about the happiness of others, but I wasn't doing that for myself in my own personal life. And so in my own personal life in the last two years i've had a complete i won't call it a collapse i will say a complete refurbishment because i'd come to a point in my own personal expression that wasn't walking the talk of what we were talking about so even though we were talking about sovereignty and talking about uh acting from the inner knowing hmm there was still an awful lot of energy that was going into the everyday maintenance of life and what i'd already created so the last two years for me has been a big shift and transition into if we talk about this as a belief then you actually have to live this in your life to know that it's true it's not enough to do theory anymore that's when it gets a little Hairy. (laughs) Shit, yes. Yeah. So uh, the last couple of years for me have been really, really challenging because my life, my personal life is kind of on display. I am quite a private person, but um, I tend to get used as a demonstration a lot in a lot of the seminars and workshops that we do. Um, And I've really just had to walk the talk, Hmm. which has been very, very interesting. Very interesting. It's the one thing to play with information. It's another thing to actually...
0: Do it, live it, it, embody yeah. it. That kind of also answers the question of, so how does Rebecca use this stuff?
1: Well, that, that's where we were going. So yeah. it's not so much about channeling to myself. It's okay. It's all right. Well, if this is the principle, if this is how it works now in this reality, if, uh, if compassion is now about understanding how the other person feels without moving into that space with them if leadership is now about just seeing the path in front of you and everybody else can just get behind you and follow then these are the things that you can be active in demonstrating in your life so
0: <laughs> interesting to use the word leadership it's come up for me a lot recently I see I, I since a young boy I always struggled where there was vacuums and I felt I had to fill them mm-hmm. um leadership directional stuff but more and more I see a lack of leadership around and so you know, it's like oh fuck it I'm just going to do it myself
1: yeah
0: you know more and more the things we look towards even on a bigger scale politicians, governments and stuff that's crumbling you know, you can't switch on the TV without
1: Trump's going to go because it's, it's not really leadership it's maintenance it is. it's the maintenance of what was already created
0: yeah, which is now creaking but yes, the whole thing of leadership has been quite a thing for me recently
1: yeah leadership I think is when you're willing to look out ahead into an empty space and move out into it because there's nobody else out there.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm.
1: If you're heading towards a target, it's already been done.
0: What would WA look like if we all started touching our own essence and trying to channel it?
1: I think that we'd be far more cohesive in the way in which we create things Mm. I think a lot of people in Perth from from my experience are are trying to create things within themselves and then trying to get people on board Mm. but there's not a lot of shared creation Mm. in my view I Mm. think there's community but there's not really a lot of shared creation and I think well, in my limited experience, that comes down to, someone comes up with an idea, people get on a board and agree with it, but they don't really want responsibility for what happens mm. so I think the fear of responsibility is a big one and I think that the joy of creation in general is about an ambivalence to the effect and I think that uh, there's great potential stuff. Start start. yes, there's great potential for more creation to happen in Perth, but You know, I think it's the same anywhere in the world. People are Mm. interested in in self-survival.
0: Because we're running around... Maintaining stuff. Yeah, and working on a theory of lack. Yeah. And I suppose it goes all the way back to self-development and it's out there, it's not here, I need to grab it, I need to get it, I need to look after it.
1: Yeah, but you know there's the other side of that too. There's the flip side... Is that if you are seen to be doing quite well, you lose your support (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) from external sources anyway.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're all right. You got loads
1: of money. Oh, you're doing fine. Uh, Yeah. Well, I'm going to go now explore someone who's struggling, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting.
0: What have you learned about yourself in this journey?
1: What have I unlearned about myself? (laughs) All right.
0: Answer that one and then answer answer the other. And then after unlearning, what have you...
1: I think the biggest one I'm playing with at the moment is um, lack of purpose and how freeing that can be. Because I've always felt since I was a young child that I'm here for the Mm. benefit of others. Yeah. But that's a trap for me. Why is that? Because that's a sacrificial approach. Hmm. It has been. That's how it's played out in my life. Yes. As long as everybody else is fine, I should be happy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. is what you were talking about. Classic
1: martyr. Hmm. (laughs) As many females are, you know? (laughs) So I think uh, the most valuable thing that I've unlearned about myself is that I have a set reason to be here. Because if I remove that sense of purpose... I have more freedom to explore. Mm.
0: That's gone.
1: So that to me is the biggest How thing now.
0: How much is it out there drilled in? Yeah, what's your why? What's your purpose? What oh, you it's time, in everything.
1: It's in every aspect of spirituality even. Even right down to... The only reason you're here is for presence. That's still purpose. You're
0: here for? Presence.
1: Yeah. Presence on the planet. To hold the vibration. To raise consciousness. That's still purpose.
0: Hmm.
1: You know? What happens if I'm not present?
0: <laughs> Did I
1: stuff it up? Hmm. <laughs> So I'm actually playing with... Absolutely. That's what you're unlearning. Yeah, and play, I'm unlearning. Playing with unraveling. I'm unlearning and I'm, I'm playing with the art of unknowing. What happens when I don't know? You know, because especially with what I do, I mean, information is what I appear to be doing. Information. So what happens if the information has no value? Or you can't attach to the information or the information is wrong or the information is irrelevant or it doesn't meet somebody's needs. And it's so loaded with expectation and purpose. Mm. But what if it's just an expression I mean, obviously it has some effect, of course. But if I remove the purpose out of what I do, it just makes it so much more lyrical and it gives me the courage to explore deeper within it because then I'm not afraid of who I'm upsetting (laughs) you know like when we get on a stage in front of 700 people and an amazing channeler has just come on before and talked about karmic history and we get up there and say well that's irrelevant now you know you have to you have to relieve yourself a little bit of purpose in those moments. Mmm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, the great unknowing, really. it's a lot of pressure involved with information. I used to do a lot of uh, more business and corporate stuff.
0: With the gentleman? Mm.
1: Quietly. How so? Mm, People who want to know certain things or want to structure a contract in a particular way or are about to invest a lot of money.
0: That they would engage you.
1: Yeah, but there's, um, there's pressure involved in that. And there's purpose involved because there's a desired effect. Mm. so I'm moving away from that way of doing things I'm more interested in the unknown now I think rather than the known people can get very attached to wanting to know
0: you said the safety of the answer
1: yeah
0: so it's one of the most liberating things to be able to sit there and go I just don't fucking know I know
1: (laughs) Do you know if you look at a person, really sink into that, their whole energetic field opens up. It's so beautiful.
0: So I spent eighteen years being a management consultant, which is one of the most, which is one of the most fantastic career abdication, career choice abdication jobs. (laughs) You don't know what you you don't know what the fuck you want to do, right? And but you know you might want to do something that has some sort of business related thing. Because you might want to make some money at the time, go and be a business consultant. Go and help fix other people's problems in their businesses. Because then, you you accelerate your learning. You don't have to take responsibility. It's not it's not your skin in the game, and, this, and you just it's awesome. The challenge with that, especially when you end up working for a top five consultancy global, because it's like I did, and you're being billed out at you know three and a half grand a day is people kind of expect stuff for three and a half grand a day. So you have this pressure of always being right or on point or on the game or confident. Mm -hmm. And so I became really, really adept at at least presenting like I knew what I was going Yeah. I became really adept, uh, really comfortable at knowing that as long as I was at least three steps ahead, and if I could see what four, five, six were as well, it was adding value. Right? And then, but the, I've only just come to realise very recently through a number of experiences that whilst that analytical brain and that part and that thing that I developed, which has generated me income, it's also been fucking tiring.
1: Yeah. It's mental gymnastics. Oh,
0: 100%. And just to be able to just put that to one side and do stuff like this and just explore and it's like you know in the early days of doing podcasts like oh is this a good one or is this a bad one is this a good one? no it just is in fact do you know what they're all awesome yeah they're all awesome they're all this is, a, this is a freaking awesome conversation <laughs> um, and yeah and just recently the the relief of being able to sit there, you know. Just go and go for it and Because
1: you know when you step sure into can the figure it out. but yeah. When you step into the unknown, that's where the gold is. Yeah.
0: we you open up possibility and probability? Of course.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Totally. You're out you of probability.
0: Yeah, yeah, if you know you're out of probability. You're yeah. inside you're in the doors closed. Yeah. You want all the doors open. Yeah. Exactly. It's exciting stuff.
1: It, it is exciting.
0: So when you're not channeling, do you now have the ability to switch this on and off? Yeah. So I wouldn't
1: s- say it's so much switching it on and yeah, off anymore. Okay. I'd say it's knowing when to draw on it and when not to. And many you've times it, up, it, down it would be it. very difficult to tell when I'm doing that.
0: Right. Um, so I gather it's probably switched on and off during the course of this conversation. Yeah, and you felt
1: it in your body when that's happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it for a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. I was like, Ooh yeah super vibrating yeah um i've often actually as an aside i've often seen this little device recently called a sputnik that that measures various energetic fields and i've often wondered whether it'd be great to have one during the course of a conversation podcast that'd be fun and then just monitor the readings and see where the peaks have been and what was actually being spoken about
1: great idea yeah I'm sure you'd find that it spikes when there's complete agreement or resonance with what's been said. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But back to the whole Kisri Stone, or dial it up, dial it down. Um,
1: when well, you
0: dial it down, what does Rebecca do to stay grounded? And...
1: I used to drink a lot of wine. Right. <laughs> I don't anymore.
0: What does Rebecca do instead?
1: Um, oh, actually, this is another thing I'm learning at the moment, too. What? I, because I've always been so heightened with my senses... I have always learnt to unwind by dulling things down. Hence the wine. Right. Wine, relaxing music, wine 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 on the couch. I'm just discovering this year how to feel relaxed by meeting that with stimulation. So heightened sense, meeting it with stimulation. So you know how sometimes you're feeling edgy or I'm I'm restless and and I've got nervous energy or whatever it is. Instead of trying to dull that down, I now do something that meets that level of stimulation. So I'll um, go and do something new I haven't done before. Or I will get really excited about something. Or go for a really strenuous walk or hike. And just meet it where it is. So I'm just playing with that at the moment because I've never Mm. done that before and I've been doing it for a few months Mm. and I don't get tired anymore. And I've spent the last six years being tired. I'm always tired. My son's always moaning at me, Mom, you're always tired.
0: Why have you been tired? Because you've been dulling.
1: I think so. I think so. Because that's been my default for so many years is wind down. And if really, what I need to do now is get life to match where I am instead yeah. of winding down.
0: Because if you're, if you're generally living being at this heightened level, at this level of frequency, resonance, whatever you want to call it, whatever helps, why just stay there?
1: <laughs> well, what I've realised is that I do even stay your,
0: there. Yeah. Is I, it like I, it? guess it's making sense to me now it's just now go meet it now more leisure activities
1: just meet it where it is instead of trying to change it to fit in with whatever's happening around me so now it's more like okay well if this is how you're feeling meet that with the energy of where it's at because the conditioning with me was This feels like tension and stress, but actually it's not tension and stress if you meet it where it is. Yeah. Because then you've got agreement between the internal and external reality.
0: So did you then have to come up with things to do to meet it? It's just just kind of happening.
1: Like I'm like super busy and stimulated at the moment, which is kind of different for me. (laughs) <laughs> I've spent my whole life trying to escape. Yeah. Really. I mean, you know, I can't tell years. you how many tropical island holidays I've had over the years. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, oh, it was going to dull everything down. And now it's like, oh, let's go to the busiest city that we can find. And, you know, but it's not nervous energy. It's just very calming because it's meeting, meeting it where it is. Yeah, it's new. I'm still playing with it. so. Yeah,
0: I often ask guests what you know. What are you up to in the next three to five years? But you're just going to tell me, well, it's Dunno. going to, know it's going to, it's just going to create itself. So I'm not going to ask that question.
1: <laughs> well, I've done a lot in the last few years that yeah. I never thought I would possibly do. I thought I was moving to the United States this year. That mm. was all lined up, and that didn't happen. So I don't know now. I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for something to happen. It will.
0: Mm. <laughs> one of the last questions that I ask uh, but it's not i just going to be the last question today because I've got another one um, is I ask one of my guests this um, if you had a little nugget of wisdom that you could just light up into the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it mm-hmm. what would it be?
1: you are the only thing that exists awesome <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all I
1: think isn't it? I mean quantum physicists know that now
0: and yeah, I've had quantum physicists on the show
1: yeah reality is spherical you're at the centre point of it don't worry so much <laughs> there's not a whole bunch of problems out there to be solved there's not? no The mind loves a good problem to solve, and it will create one if there isn't any. So if you realize you're the only thing that really exists, what is there to do other than to honor whatever arises from you? If you're the only thing that ever exists, or anything that exists in this moment, then you're not existing from reaction. You're existing from expression.
0: Mm, Hmm. that's nice.
1: Creative force. What will you say then? What will you do then? What will you come up with then? What will you project into external reality then? You know, that's how you build a new planet. (laughs) Very hard to create a new planet when everyone's very focused on trying to solve the paradigm of the one that already exists. Very difficult.
0: Is that where you come from when you refer to new world?
1: Mm. New reality, yeah putting yourself back at the center. Because we don't. We don't. We give ourselves up. We believe that because we're compassionate that we sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. You remove yourself from your center point. You can't do anything. You're impotent. And I think a lot of humanity is feeling pretty impotent these days. Mm -hmm. Because we're trying to fix everything out there instead of just understanding that we exist. Yeah, so question of focus, I think.
0: (laughs) Just finally. Yes. Is there anything you, singular or you, plural?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or us. Or us. Collectively. Collectively. Is there anything else
0: you'd like to say for Um, or share?
1: I think that uh, I have been very, very inclined to take life too seriously to take myself too seriously to take my sense of purpose too seriously and I think it's only as I start to release that and drop into the I don't know that my life will actually start to open up and I'll actually be able to create some things so I think that's the same for many of us and perhaps those who are listening to this is bring the focus back to yourself and the rest of life unfolds it's not a selfish thing to do that that's not a lack of compassion that's just not sacrificial compassion yeah so I guess that's it
0: (laughs) it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today I've loved every minute of it
1: yeah me too I've really felt it in every cell so thanks for having me here good fun
0: if people want to find you? Uh,
1: website, my name, net. So uh, I've got lots of free resources on there. Uh, lots of things to engage with if you're interested. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Thank you too. <laughs>